Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2013, and today we're reading from the big book. You'll find us in the forward to the second edition on page XX at the very bottom paragraph, beginning with, at present, our membership is increasing. And today's readers are Michelle, Sharon, Judy B., and Fran. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Philomena to read the 12 steps, please. Philomena, please press star 1 to unmute. Sorry about that. Good morning, Vision for you. Uh, this is Philomena, compulsive overeater. Uh, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters who practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you. 
I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Leigh. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Margaret Kay, compulsive overeater. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in the group consciousness. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, O-Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, O-Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be be muted. And the reference number for yesterday's meeting, that's Tuesday, April 2nd, is 4204. 4204, share code for yesterday's meeting. Today we resume our study of the big book. You'll find us in the forward to the second edition on page XX at the bottom paragraph, beginning with, our at present, our membership is pyramiding. And I will ask Michelle to begin reading, please. Thank you. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for you. This is Michelle, recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. At present, our membership is pyramiding at the rate of about 20% a year. So far, upon the total problem of several million actual and potential alcoholics in the world, we have made only a scratch. In all probability, we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the alcohol problem and all its ramifications. 
Upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. And you know, I'm looking at the beginning of this paragraph and how how exciting, how enthusiastic that the membership is pyramiding. You know, it's pyramiding at the rate of 20% a year. And, you know, it's humble beginnings uh, when they wrote this book of 100 recovered compulsive, um, well, alcoholics, excuse me. And now in the beginning of this forward to the second edition, they say there's far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. And they call it a wholesale miracle. And, you know, how enthusiastic, but yet, you know, they become realistic and actually, I believe, humble to see that their efforts, um, because seeing how many um, alcoholics are in the world, that they're just going to make a little scratch or a little dent. Um, But, you know, I I see how they go from being so enthusiastic and presenting their humble beginnings and how this program is working um, for those who are recovered and how it's changed their life and given them a new freedom. There's still there's still that humility there among this among this um, this group, this fellowship, um, because they say they have no monopoly. But wouldn't you be just so excited? Aren't we just all so excited when we're recovered and we want to shout it from the rooftops? And but yet to be able to remain humble is what this paragraph is reminding me, um, as well as you know that when they wrote this book, they said at the end of the first. Um, forward to the first edition, that they simply wish to be helpful, simply wish to be a servant to those who are afflicted. And and that's what they're doing, you know, in writing this book. It's just wanting to be helpful, um, not forcing this solution on anyone. But yet, it's for those who have as yet found no answer. And that was me. I had yet found no answer. Um, and believe me, with myself, while I was looking and um, I tried the therapy. I tried all the self-help, all the self-will, um, looking myself. I was looking. I wasn't relying on a higher power. And it seems to me that they're saying that they're trusting that higher power is going to bring those to this program, to this fellowship, who, like me, have yet found no answer. And their hope is just to be helpful and to reach out and to say, come join us on this high road to new freedom because what new freedom it brings. And so I see humility, which it reminds me um, I needed to be humbled. I needed to surrender before I could accept this program that's found in the pages of this book. And so, yes, um, enthusiastic, absolutely, because I'm recovered today and grateful to a higher power who brought me to these pages, to this program, these 12 steps. It's available for all of those. Um, all of us who have yet found no answer. And there is great hope, great hope for uh, joining on this road to new freedom. And thanks for allowing me to share, I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. This is Katie. Katie, good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, I just wanted to focus on this last sentence sentence where it says, uh, uh, yet it is our great hope that all those who have 
have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. You know, we're not, we don't share this um, program with people because we make money or we're trying to, um, you know, just see how many numbers we can have that, you know, we want to, uh, there's some sort of pride involved in it. We share this because we have found something that gives us freedom. Freedom that I, as an active compulsive overeater, never had. I had no freedom in my life. I was a, a in bondage to food from as early back as I can remember. You know, eight, nine, ten years old, I was focused on the food in every circumstance and was um, handicapped in in how I related to people. Of course, it got much worse the longer I was in the food. Um, The older I got, the smaller and smaller my world became. Now I have this beautiful life because of this program, and it's a true freedom. I can walk around and don't have to, you know, cover up uh, binge foods. I don't have to force my family to eat the way I do. I um, can walk down the street. I can walk through a mall, and even though they, you know, make the vents blow out so that you smell the food, I am not, you know, just gripping my hand trying to walk past there. Um, you know, that is freedom. That is freedom that you can't buy. You can't bottle it. You can't put it in a pill. Um, it comes from my higher power, and that's what I want to share with others. I want to share with people who have yet to find a solution. And, you know, I um, this is a very humbling uh, paragraph that, you know, they admit that they're scratching the surface. And, you know, that's what we are doing in, um, you know, this country has a a huge problem with obesity. It's the only developed country that has um, the mortality rate is going down. And it's because of, um, it's because of food related problems. And so, um, I'm just so grateful to have this freedom, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Maya. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I want to pick up on that same sentence that Katie talked about. You know, those who have yet found no answer. No answer. You know, I have to say, not only did I find no answer in the self-help books and the conventional diet programs, you know, for years I didn't find an answer in the fellowship. You know, so what is it saying? If you haven't found the answer, it's saying, may you begin to find one, find an answer in the pages of this book. So that is where the solution is. The solution is walking through these steps and developing a relationship with a higher power. It is an answer. It is a solution. It is not a temporary respite. It's not a way to go back to our, get to a goal weight and start eating again. It's not a way to say, maybe I can make it six months this time. Maybe I can make it four months this time. Because I had to recognize I always had an answer. I always had a solution. Now, maybe one day it was a ding-dong and one day it was a Dorito. 
but it was always the food. And as long as I think that food is my problem, I'm not going to get down to the real causes and conditions. Because my real problem is being abstinent. Having to be abstinent in the morning and abstinent in the afternoon and abstinent in the evening. You know, on page 25, it talks about the fact that we have but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. Well, that intolerable situation is not being in the food. That intolerable situation is being abstinent. We are restless, we are irritable, and we are discontent. We are not comfortable in our own skin. People get on our nerves, and we cannot tolerate that. It is so intolerable. So what are we going to do? We're going to blot it out with the food, or we're going to have to go for spiritual help. Because for years, blotting out with the food works. You know, we read those, the, the nine step promises a lot. And what I had to recognize was that the food was my answer. That was the promises. When I picked up, I felt a new freedom and a new happiness because nothing matters. I did not regret the past. I didn't care about that humiliating situation if I could just get some binge food. You know, no matter what, how far down the scale I've gone, I, my experience will benefit others. I ate, and I could tell everyone in the world what I could do. I could, I could be living in a car, and I could tell people how to manage their own life. You know, fear, feeling of useless and self-pity will disappear. I didn't care when I was binging. You know, fear of people and economic insecurity. If I, if I, could, I could not pay my mortgage, and I would go down the street, and I would go to a fast food restaurant, and I'd spend all my money, I didn't care about my mortgage. Food was my solution. And they're saying here now, that their great hope is for all those who have yet found no answer, no answer to, to, to being in the food or being absent. May you find one of the pages of this book and presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Kim. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to focus on a couple of statements here in this paragraph. It says, Upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Uh, That reminds me of a paragraph that's found on page 95 on the very bottom where it says, if he thinks he can do the job in some other way or prefers some other spiritual approach, encourage him to follow his own conscience. We have no monopoly on God. We merely have an approach. That worked with us. And that is, you know, so true that, uh, you know, we don't cram this down anybody's throat. It's not a question of compulsive overeaters giving us anything, those of us who are recovered. Our stability comes out of trying to give, not out of demanding that we receive. So if you think there is another way for you to recover, then by all means, God bless you, go for it. You know, and uh, we certainly, uh, you know, support those efforts. Uh, we don't try to convince anybody. A person convinced against his will of, is of the same opinion still. You know, what we have uh, is a plan of living, and that's, that's, that's exactly what a meeting is all about. A meeting is an opportunity for those who are still suffering to hear or if it's a face-to-face meeting, to see the results of this plan of living, of the 12-step plan of living. We are result-oriented here. 
We're carrying a message here, those of us that are recovered. We're recovered, we go to meetings, we come to the phone meetings, we go to face-to-face meetings, and those who are still suffering get to look at the product of the 12 steps. In this case, you get to hear the product of the 12 steps, and you get to look or hear those results. You get to see and hear the results of this plan for living. It's a live example for newcomers to, to look at, or in this case, to hear. That's what this program is. It's a, it's a, it should, a meeting at best, right? Because a Tradition 5 should be where recovered people offer an adequate presentation of the program of recovery. Because these, these steps have worked for us. It says upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Yet, is, yet it is our great hope. Whose great hope? Well, the men and women who pen these pages, who were ex-problem drinkers, who recovered. And, of course, we're talking about the first 100 men and women who pen these pages and, and more who came. Uh, they were last gaspers. But it was their great hope because they had recovered. They had been transformed. They had had personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Even though science and medicine had stood powerless before an alcoholic's obsession, these men and women had recovered, and these pages are their collective vision, their collective experience, their collective uh, hope and voice. So it is our great hope that all those who have yet found yet found no answer all that includes everybody on this line that includes everybody on this line god uses recovered people we are the agents we are necessary to co- to carry this message but we're not sufficient in any change that a person makes we can be a catalyst but there are hundreds and hundreds who listen to these phone lines, to listen listen to these uh, meetings. Do all of them recover? Unfortunately, that, that's not the case. Why is that? They all listen to the same thing. Well, our words have to hit some, something in an individual to provoke a change, a response. So it's, but it is available to all. It is available to all, to every single person. It says, yet it is our great hope that all those who have, yet, who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in these pages of the book. What do the pages of the book include? Well, the pages in the book include these 12 steps, which are a group of principles, which are spiritual in nature, which if practiced as a way of life, do two things. It did two things in 1935. It does two things now in 2013. Number one, that is rid, get us so that the obsession of the mind is expelled. It's driven out. And number two, it enables the sufferer, the suffering compulsive overeater, to become happily and usefully whole, to become complete, perhaps a complete person for the first time, and, and to be happy. And and that was the message that Bill and these men and women carried, and Bill spent the rest of his life trying to carry this message and trying to help the fellowship of AA and trying to put this thing together so that we could have it today. And during all that period of time, he was recovered. 
So it says, yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book, the same book that we study every morning, and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom, available to everyone who wants it. And with that, I pass. Anybody else want to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Leah, good morning. This is Sharana from Israel. I would like to share. Of course, Sharon, go ahead. Um, I, I, I just want to tell uh, my experience. Um, I'm Jewish, and we had uh, a holiday Passover. And I felt free, and I felt happy for the first time at my whole life when I celebrated our holiday. And I, I had... Like I, I felt like God was between me and the food, and I was a, I was able not to touch the, the things I'm allergic to, and I'm six months at the program, and it was the best holiday my whole life, my whole life, and I just felt that the the, the high road to a new freedom. I just I just feel that that it, it I relate I can relate to that sentence, and I felt that. I I got so many compliments and people ask and want to know and I I lost about 90 pounds in six months and I was so complimented and I just felt how God is holding me and I'm so grateful for it and thank you for your sharing and for all of your sharing and it gives me real hope and and just hope to continue and to want to want to be recovered and thank you and with that i pass thank you sharona anyone else before you turn the page excuse me canada were you reading yes we're finishing up the forward to the second edition thank you Mhm. any other comments before we move on okay i'll take that as a no Let's turn the page now. Now we're going to be reading forward to the third edition, and I'll ask Sharon to begin reading, please. Good morning. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, Leah. Would you like me, how many paragraphs would you like me to read on this page? Uh, Why don't you begin with the first two paragraphs? Okay, sounds good. Forward to the third edition. By March 1976, when this edition went to printer, the total worldwide membership of Alcoholics Anonymous was conservatively estimated at more than 1 million, with almost 28,000 groups meeting in over 90 countries. Surveys of groups in the United States and Canada indicated that AA is reaching out not only to more and more people, but to a wider and wider range. Women now make up more than one-fourth of the membership. Among newer members, the proportion is nearly one-third. Seven percent of AAs surveyed are less than 30 years of age, among them many in their teens. The uh, phrase that really popped out to me in these two paragraphs is reaching out. 
that AA is reaching out. It's not just comfortable with its with large numbers. It's just it continues to reach out, to reach out to others, to go beyond its comfort zone, to go beyond its present borders, and to get a wider and wider range of people. The other thing that comes to mind in in reading these paragraphs is is um, you know it talks here about seven percent of AA surveyed are less than 30 years of age, among them many in their teens. And it remind, it, it brings to mind the 12 and 12 in step one, where it talks about in the pioneering days, in the early days of AA, that none but the most desperate cases could swallow and digest the truths about themselves and then to adopt these principles. But then what they found out as as AA grew that the bottom was raised so that people didn't have to lose everything. So then teenagers who were just beginning their lives could grasp this program of recovery and at the very early stages of this disease before they had lost everything but at the very beginning when they were just beginning their lives they could make that change they could recover so what was happening as AA grew and expanded the bottom was being raised, so you didn't have to lose as much, so that you could just start getting a glimpse of of the disease and its impact on your life, on our lives. And we could change earlier, sooner, before the destruction, before we had lost so much. And... And that's what we saw happening, and and um, as this program grows, and as this program grew, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Star one to unmute. Well, this is Katie. Yeah, hey Katie, go ahead. Hi, sorry, I was unmuting and unspeakerphoning and putting my ears set in. Okay, these are just incredible numbers. Um, And this is in 1976. There's a million people who are members. Um, and, you know, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. Um, so this isn't saying that there was a million recovered people walking the planet, but that still is an incredible number of people. And, um, you know, as Sharon just pointed out, the whole point is to reach out, that um, 
we want to reach people at a wider and wider range. And I think that's what's so exciting about this um, meeting that we're uh, participating in this morning is that, you know, people are getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning um, West Coast time to be able to participate in these meetings. And we have people, you know, stopping their day in England at noon or whatever time it is to participate in in these meetings. And, you know, I don't know what it will be like uh, 20 years from now. Maybe we can, you know, reach more people because we are um, capitalizing on this venue that's available to us. And it just gives me a lot of hope that um, – we're not working a dead program. We're not working something that is a temporary fix. It's a lifetime um, of surrender and serenity. And, you know, we work the steps as if our life depends on it. And, you know, the first time you go through the steps, yes, you're digging up the past and all this old stuff, but, you know, that doesn't mean that then life is perfect. That was my goal always that, you know, once I lost my weight, and I would thin, I would be happy, and everything would be easy. And, you know, I'm sorry, but it's not. Um, life, because I have a life today, it's not easy. And so that's why, you know, even with 25 years of abstinence, I still um, come to a meeting every day because I want to continue to share this message and continue to have a story of hope to share. Um, and I won't have that if I you know, put this book up on the shelf and try to um, walk on without you. So I'm really grateful that there are so many people who are looking for a solution and we can, just like, um, you know, these pioneering AA did, we can uh, forge a new road if that'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? Well, I'll comment on a couple statements here. It says, surveys of groups in the United States and Canada indicate that AA is reaching out not only to more and more people, but to a wider and wider range. Um, again, emphasizing the fact of reaching out. Survey of, surveys of groups in the United States and Canada indicate that AA is reaching out, meaning they're doing their job. Those who recovered who had a spiritual awakening as a result, as the result of these steps, were now reaching out. They were carrying a message. They had a message to carry. It was very specific. Even though uh, these groups were made up of men and women, different ages and different uh, socioeconomic brackets, uh, different genders, different religions, different social statuses, different economic brackets, different uh, educational achievements, uh, they were reaching out. Those that had a spiritual awakening who were recovered now had a responsibility. They felt an obligation, and that obligation or responsibility was to carry this message, not just any message, not a personal philosophy and not about personal opinion. Uh, it was a very specific message. It was that they, they had had a spiritual awakening 
a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And they were reaching out, and AA grew by leaps and bounds because of this bright light, because of this message of hope. Relapse is not a message of hope. Relapse is not a message of hope. But when people stand together and carry a message that the obsession of the mind has been expelled, it's been driven out, and they've recovered, and they've had soundness of mind, and they've been restored to sanity, and they've been relieved of the obsession to use, and they are now free from the beast, and they no longer have that voice whispering in their ear, that is a message of hope. And so it, that, they reached out not only to more and more people, but to a wider, wider, wider and wider range, as it said in the page prior, you know, alcohol being no respecter of persons. Alcohol, this disease is no respecter of persons, doesn't care about gender, doesn't care about race or religion or your age, it doesn't care about your social status, it doesn't care about your uh, finances and how much money you have in the bank, it doesn't care about your educational accomplishments. It touches everyone. It's all-inclusive, never exclusive, the disease of alcoholism or the disease of compulsive overeating. But you know what? So is recovery. Recovery is also all-inclusive, never exclusive. Bill had a spiritual awakening in Towns Hospital that day, and Bill did not die until January of 1971. And we know that Bill didn't find it necessary to take another drink for the rest of his life. Something profound took place in his life that day in the Towns Hospital as a result of these steps. He grasped new soil, and that's exactly what is offered here, and and that's what we who have recovered have to offer today when we talk to the newcomers on this line or in face-to-face meetings we are living proof that some power greater than, greater than human power is working in our lives also and with that i pass would anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs before we move on Okay, well, let's move on then and finish this page, please, with Judy B. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Judy B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. The basic principles of the AA program, it appears, hold good for individuals with many different lifestyles. Just as the program has brought recovery, to those of many different nationalities. The 12 steps that summarize the program may be called Los Dos Pasos in one country, Los Dos Etapes in another, but they trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. In spite of the great increase in the size and the span of this fellowship, At its core, it remains simple and personal. Each day, somewhere in the world, recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, sharing experience, strength, and hope. And I would like to comment on that. The the first paragraph I read 
uh, talked about the diversity of the program, and and Leah really elaborated so well on the uh, on the diversity, uh, saying that it's all inclusive and never exclusive. It just includes everyone, you know, rich and poor, male and female, any lifestyle, any any socioeconomic group. It's everyone. It just includes everyone, and from many different countries. It's just um, it's there. It's there for us, for everyone to uh, to participate in. And the uh, the next paragraph um, tells us that it is a very simple and personal program, and I I love that because that's exactly what it is. You know, we each uh, follow these um, the steps and uh, recover, and it just. It just can affect everyone, and it and it's it's not as complicated as some people seem to think it is. It it is not. It's just it's just a simple set of directions. And if we really are serious about uh, wanting a solution to this problem, we can find it here. Um, it remains simple and personal, and then it ends with each day, somewhere in the world, recovery begins. When one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, sharing experience, strength, and hope. And I was able yesterday to to do that with a person that I met at a meeting that I went to. Um, not a, not a recovery meeting, but a, a a meeting in the community. And um, and she expressed to me that uh, her sister. I I said that I was in uh, Overeaters Anonymous and how it had worked in my life and. She said, oh, her sister had been in um, many years ago and she had to follow this very strict food plan. And, and you know, there was just a, a misconception of what, what our program is, and I was able to share my experience, strength, and hope and, uh, and, and give another outlook to it. And, uh, and that's what we can do each day. You know, we talk with another person and share our experience, strength, and hope, and, and that is how this grows. It's just... Such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful plan, and I'm so grateful to be involved with it, and so grateful to be here with all of you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy B. Would anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning again, everyone. I have such a special affinity because I came into LA in the mid-90s, so this is the edition that I came in with, and um. It says here, the 12 steps that summarize the program may be either called Los Dos Pasos in one country, Los, I can't say French, Los Dos Estapas in another, but they trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. So exactly the same path. So what is our goal? What is our aim? You know, for years in a way, I thought it was abstinence. For years, I would get into a meeting and I would say, abstinence is the most important thing in my life today without exception. I truly believed if I worked these steps, I could get abstinence. That was the way that I worked this program and wondered why I kept picking up and I kept picking up. You know, because what is exactly that same path? What is the goal? What is the aim? The aim is a spiritual awakening. How do we get access to that spiritual awakening? We have to put down the food first, first, because that's what's going to make us available. I thought abstinence was the goal. 
accidents was the starting point. And what is that exact path? The exact path is the doctor's opinion in the Roman numerals through to page 164. So the path is walking through these steps, through these pages, applying these principles, and we will get to that goal, that aim, that spiritual awakening, which the miracle is not today that I don't have to eat, which is what I thought abstinence was, but today the, the miracle is I don't want to eat because I have been awakened. I have been unblocked from my higher power, and I don't need to go to food to satisfy my every whim. So what is that like? What is that spiritual awakening? And I think one of the best descriptions I've heard of it is on page 27 when Carl Jung is talking to Roland Hazard about the fact that he's got to find something beyond himself, a higher power. And it says here on page 27, here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what we, are, we have called vital spiritual experiences. To me, the occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men were suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives began to dominate them. That's a spiritual awakening. Those ideas, those guiding forces of resentment and anger and you know, all those things that, that were cleaned away in this inventory process were cast to one side. Fear, selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, all to one side, and they're replaced by a completely new set of conceptions, the principles of the steps, courage, integrity, faith, honesty, spiritual awareness. That is the goal. That is the aim. If, if we think the aim in OA is just to be abstinent, we are shortchanging ourselves and we are setting ourselves up for failure because as it said, I'll read it one more time, this book traces the exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Good morning, Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie, go ahead. Hi, uh, Anne-Marie, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much. Um, I went to a um, big book AA meeting, um, lots and lots of recovery at this meeting, but this, this one woman, said, uh, and I wrote it down because I really loved what it said, and it reminds me of what is written here in this last, last couple of sentences. God works through our de- defeats. And... Um, you know, thank God that Bill, you know, finally got got defeated. He got to the lowest place in his life and was able to turn it around and step out and help someone else. And that's all we can do, you know, um, every day. Every day there's an opportunity. Um, you know, I think it was Judy that just spoke that she was, you know, not in a 12-step meeting but in another place. And we are available um, I feel I'm available 24 hours a day uh, to do God's work, and I'm just so grateful for that. You know, um, I can share my experience, whether it's been good or bad. You know, I don't have to tell anybody what to do, but, um, you know, I can share what I, I've done. Um, my hope comes from everyone in um, on this line and all the 12-step programs that people have recovered. That's where my hope comes from. And God has given me... Um, 
all of you, and um, he just gives me people daily. I'm just very, very grateful. He gives me hope every single day when I when I hear someone uh, that has recovered. And, of course, my strength comes from God. You know, my experience, strength, and hope. You know, the hope comes from you. My strength comes from God. And um, my my experience is, is my experience. And uh, whether it's, um, you know, defeats or triumphs, um, it's so important to me. I, I feel as though I am uh, God's messenger. You know, I, I am very blessed to feel that way, that he uses me on a daily basis. And he puts people in my life on a daily basis. I'm, I'm very, very grateful um, and um, appreciate, uh, appreciate this meeting so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? Yes, Leah, this is Deborah. Deborah, go ahead. I, too, um, you know, back in the day, uh, by the grace of God, I was led to the OA program 30 years ago, and um, and I, I did see the hope. Um, took me a couple months to get on board, but I did see the hope, and I, I like, um, at the bottom again, I'll read, in spite of the great increase in the size and the span of this fellowship at its core. I've got that word circled. It remains simple and personal. Each day somewhere in the world, recovery, not abstinence, not putting the food down, not putting the alcohol down, but recovery begins one alcoholic when one alcoholic talks to another, sharing experience, strength and hope. And you know, I too, you know, abstinent was, it was like a mantra and it was like something didn't ring true. It was like, you know, if I keep saying that long enough, um, just for today and, um, yeah, the, um, abstinence is the most important thing. And I, it just, you know, God ought to be the most important thing. And I, I didn't understand that big, um, but it was the rah, rah chant at the time. And, I think of on page XXVIII at the bottom to the top of XXIX in the fourth edition in the doctor's opinion, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. Describe me to a T. To them... Their alcoholic life seemed the only normal one. They were restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking without, with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as many do, the phenomena of craving develops. They pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over. Unless the person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. And, you know, it putting the food down, it is like step zero. You, you, you know, the book will reinforce and reinforce in the first 164 pages, or that it's a mind-body, it's a two-fold disease with a spiritual solution. And 
you know, just following a diet and white knuckling that isn't going to never, ever achieved any peace of mind for me. It was only by working the steps and, um, you know, seeing, using the big book to see the problem and the solutions that it provided. And if I follow the directions, I'm going to get what they got. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Would anyone else like to comment on these paragraphs? Rose. I have some. I hear Rose and then a gentleman. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Leah. I'll make it brief here. Um, I couldn't not um, jump into this here because this last paragraph, <clears throat> in spite of the great increase in the size and the span of the, this fellowship, at its core it remains simple and personal. And that just, um, and going on each day somewhere in the world recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic sharing experience strength and hope um <clears throat> i got a call last night from a woman that i met um from this meeting and um we've talked often and the um growth i could hear in in her voice from what she has been getting out of the Vision for You meeting, um, it just so filled me with the um, awesomeness and the power of the program and the way it's being given, um, the way it has been given to me since I've been on this meeting as well. But um, it was outside of myself. Some of the things that she was saying, I could just hear the, um, the light and the joy in her and the changes in her life as the result of her working the program and what she's been getting from the meeting and from all the people that she's been in touch with from this meeting. And um, it, it totally is that last sentence, each day somewhere in the world recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another. And that is what has been going on for me each day with with attending this meeting, the sharing and the strength of um, bringing to life the instructions in the big book. Um, I, could, I could go on for quite a long time as to what's been happening to me these past months, but it's, um, it's a lot of recovery and, um, and gratitude, gratitude, gratitude for all of you on this line and all of you who created this meeting to um to uh that reaches me in my heart as well as this person I was talking to last night. So with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rose. And then the gentleman, please. Yes, this is Steve from North Florida and I uh am amazed I feel that this book and this is a revelation from God, an inspired revelation from God. Because it's the same steps that those guys took that I'm beginning to take. And it's my relationship before uh, getting involved with this program. I thought I was, God was first in my life. My relationship with God was one of surrender, I thought. But I uh, read something this morning, uh, one of the 
steps of recovery. It said that I needed this disease to show me this. I needed this disease to show me this recovery and uh, this way to recovery. My relationship has changed. It was pretty much now, looking back, it was pretty much, uh, I was not, I was in the driver's seat with my spirituality. And now I'm seeing, because of my helplessness over food, recently discovered, although I've been that way my whole life, but having it uh, revealed to me in, in these writings, uh, wow, I've got the same thing as those, that alcohol guy in the hospital that went, yeah, I've got the same thing. That was my aha moment. And now it's, uh, I can't, before this, these steps, my relationship with my higher power was pretty much, uh, you know, important. It gave me peace, but it didn't touch my food problem. And now dealing with this, uh, I am... Uh, getting on my knees and seeing, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me, what, you know, getting, I didn't even, I I had a spirituality, but I also was carrying resentments and all of those step four things. And uh, now because of this disease, I see that there's light coming in as I let go and realize these, resentments and fears and uh, accumulated ego stuff. So thank God for the for this inspired revelation from God uh, and my disease because this is a wonderful path and I pass. Thank you very much, Steve. I'd like to comment on a couple of statements here before we wrap up. The basic principles of the AA program, it appears, hold good for individuals with many different lifestyles. You know, we've been reading a a little bit of history as we explore these forwards. Um, When I think about, you know, AA's growth, that spiritual chain reaction that grew from Ebby and Bill to Dr. Bob uh, has stretched to countless alcoholics. I mean, when we think about the AA history, when I think about AA, I think about truck drivers, I think about sitting in the rooms with electricians, with presidents of companies, with doctors, with nurses, with people who are unemployed, with people uh, from Skid Row to the White House. Men and women in, in AA have recovered some of the wealthiest people on the planet and some of the poorest people on the planet. And the beauty of this program of recovery, whether you're talking about AA or whether you're talking about OA, is that you don't know who is who. It says the basic principles of the AA program, it appears, hold good for individuals with many different lifestyles, just as the program has brought recovery to those of many different nationalities. They are bringing something. They are bringing something, and that something is recovery. And that job is for recovered individuals. And there is, an, there is an intensity to it, and there's a focus, and there's an aim and a goal and an objective, and that is to get to a place called recovered. Remember the title of this whole book. If you turn to your title page, Alcoholics Anonymous, how many thousands of men and women have recovered, have recovered from alcoholism. It says the 12 steps that summarize the program trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
You know, this whole book was to show other alcoholics precisely how they have recovered. That is the main purpose of the book. That is the main purpose of a message that a recovered person carries. You know, there's a line in these pages that says, rarely have we seen a person fail at us thoroughly followed our path. You know, that is as true today as it was in 1939. God is a loving, merciful God. God loves everybody equally. He gives every one of us, in my personal opinion, the same amount of grace. Will we act upon that grace? Will we cooperate with that grace? I get very wound up. <laughs> I get charged up. Not be, get, I don't get excited to talk. I don't get excited about me. I get excited about us, about what is possible through this program of recovery. It says, each day somewhere in the world, recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, sharing experience, strength, and hope. Not sharing relapse, tra- sharing a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And with that, I pass. And with that, we are out of time. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Fran, are you available, please, to read from A Vision for You? Yes, Leah. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, uh, Vision for You. This is Fran, compulsive Peter. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.